0: Welcome to the Classic Speeches Podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, bringing you treasured talks from 70 years of BYU devotionals. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts.
1: President Gordon B. Hinckley, was sustained a member of the First Presidency on October 3, 1981 after 23 years as a general authority, 20 of which were served in the Council of the Twelve. Born in Salt Lake City to the gifted and much-beloved Bryant S. and Ada Bittner Hinckley, President Hinckley literally grew up in the Church which he carries so much responsibility for today. In his boyhood he heard his grandfather tell of personal experiences with the Prophet Joseph Smith, and his own devotion to the Prophet today carries that same personal air of admiration and loyalty. The discipline of hard work and frugality and patience and persistence that he learned in his boyhood home have proved to be training ground for the responsibility he now bears. He learned from his youthful experience the concept of getting water to the end of the row while irrigating fruit trees. In his adult life, he has been involved with efforts to extend the gospel message in any number of missionary and electronic ways with ever-newer means to be sure that the living waters of the gospel get to the end of the row throughout the world. After graduating from the University of Utah, he served a mission to Great Britain. Less than two years after his return, he became a member of the General Sunday School Board and was appointed to the Radio Publicity and Mission Literature Committee, the forerunner of today's Public Communication Department. In 1951 he became the director of the Missionary Committee, where he remained until his call as a general authority. Perhaps the least significant of his decades of service there in his decades of service there was to meet and interview young Jeffrey Holland, newly ordained elder in the St. George Fifth Ward, who wanted to go on a mission at 19 when the rule was still 20. That interview and that call and that opportunity to serve in President Hinckley's own mission field has changed my life forever. He is a man who sees beyond the moment and below the surface. And the experience of those years has refined his innate ability to grasp quickly the essence of very complex matters. Compassionate and optimistic, he always looks for the silver thread that might be found in the tapestry of a darkened world, or a darkened war, or a darkened soul. As one of his brethren said of him, When others describe President Hinckley as a man of good judgment, good humor, good will, and good nature, The common adjective good is the key to the man. President Hinckley has brought many talents to his dedicated Church service. He's written five books, numerous Church manuals, pamphlets, radio, film, and TV scripts. In 1971, the University of Utah bestowed upon him its Distinguished Alumni Award, and in 1979 he received an Honorary Doctor of Letters degree from Brigham Young University. He currently serves as an officer of the BYU Board of Trustees and is chairman of its Executive Committee. President Hinckley is married to his beloved Marjorie Pay Hinckley, who graces our podium today and we are grateful to have her with us always. They are the parents of five children. One final comment, which I certainly do not wish to be misunderstood. Perhaps never in the history of the Church have circumstances so converged to put the full weight of the Church's day-to-day activities on the shoulders of one counselor in the First Presidency. Within the past 30 days, he has traveled perhaps 30,000 miles, dedicating new temples in Tonga and Samoa, returning home only to leave 48 hours later to break ground for a new temple in Chicago. Following that, to fly to Long Beach, California to speak to some 15,000 youth and young adults there and holding a special meeting with the missionaries after the fact. On September 14th, he flew to Santiago, Chile, a troubled corner of our world today, to dedicate a new temple there. He returned only late yesterday afternoon, having spoken to youth conferences and missionary meetings all along the way home. And today he is here with us. President Hinckley, as Mordecai said to Esther, We know that thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. We love you. You pay us the ultimate compliment by your attendance here today. President Hinckley.
2: Thank you, President Holland. I also remember that Haman was hanged on the gallows that was prepared for Mordecai. (laughs) My beloved friends, I want to thank that choir for that magnificent number. And I want to thank you for your presence here this morning. It's a very genuine pleasure and a great inspiration to be with you. And to look into your faces, you beautiful young women and you handsome young men. I pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I've now lived longer than the biblical three score and ten. To take a line from Proverbs, I've spent my years as a tale it is told. And, as is common with older people, the tendency is to lecture those who are younger. The fact is that I still feel young with a love for life, its challenges, and its pleasures. More than half a century has passed since I was a university student. My life has been rich with challenges and associations. I have wrestled with problems large and small. I have known something of discouragement and, on a few occasions, have felt the exhilaration of achievement. I feel a deep sense of gratitude for the marvelous and generous blessings of the Lord. Among these is the opportunity to be associated with His great cause and kingdom. A part of that is this tremendous university and this occasion to meet in council with you. I excuse the deficiencies in this effort of speaking to you this morning by confirming what President Holland has just talked with you about. I returned only yesterday from Santiago, Chile after flying all night. We there dedicated a new building. It was a marvelous experience. Preceding that were similar experiences in Atlanta, Samoa, Tonga, and other parts of the world. I think I have spoken to fifteen different congregations in the last ten days, scattered from California to Santiago, Chile, to Detroit, Michigan. Just ahead is the general conference for which much of preparation is needed. I do not have a speechwriter. I have only the opportunity to pray and work. When I have concluded today, you may conclude that I should have prayed more (laughs) and written less. I bring you the love and blessing of President Spencer W. Kimball, who as President of the Church came before this student body each fall until he was no longer able to do so. I feel his life epitomizes the virtues of which I am going to speak today. Trying to put myself in your shoes at my age, I have titled my remarks, If I were you, what would I do? If President Holland, who is a man of dignity and a purist in all matters of English, never invites me to speak here again. I will understand why, and I think you will also, as I mix in a few lines of doggerel self-composed. If I were you, what would I do? I'd enjoy every day of my stay on this campus of Brigham Young U. What a unique and beautiful place this is! How rich and wonderful are your opportunities! You must realize that you are only a few of the very many young men and women of the Church across the world who would like to attend this great university. As the Church grows, as it surely will, the percentage of those who can come here will constantly diminish. Whether you recognize it or not, you are fortunate indeed to be here. Most of your education will be generously subsidized by all of the tithe-paying members of the Church. You, relatively few, are the beneficiaries of their contributions. And so I hope your experiences here will be both challenging and pleasant. You will likely never have a greater opportunity for happiness. Cultivate good friends while you are here. Drink in the beauty of this campus, the sweeping lawns, the trees, the magnificent buildings, the mountains that rise to the east, and the quiet waters of the lake to the west. Be affirmative about your classes. And look upon the demands of your Church responsibilities as opportunities. Be happy with singing and dancing. Enjoy football and basketball. Yell when you win. Cry if you wish when you lose. Experience the fun and the hard work. Both are part of the joy of being alive when you are young, healthy, and your chin is high with a smile on your face. These are golden years. Do you know what alma mater means? It means, dear mother, with all of the best that that connotes. You are here as a much-loved part of her family. Enjoy your days, every one of them. And when you leave and the years pass with the cadence of the seasons, May you look back with fondness and smiles to happy times on the magnificent campus of your beloved alma mater. And so if you, if I were you, what would I do? I'd enjoy every day of my stay on this campus of Brigham Young U. If I were you, what would I do? I drink of the nectar of knowledge, a great full draft of its richest brew. Do you ever stop to think that in the cumulative learning of this dedicated and gifted faculty and in the books of the marvelous library of this university, you have available to you the wisdom, the knowledge, the learning of all of the generations of men who have gone before you? Never again in all of your lives will you have an equal opportunity to learn so much in so brief a period of time. The marketplace into which you will go with your skills when you finish here will be fiercely competitive. It will demand of you the very best that you have to give. You are here to learn so that you might go forth to serve. I know that at times it is a grind. I know that it becomes exhausting. I know that it can be terribly frustrating and discouraging. But it also can be so wonderful and so fruitful," said Solomon, with all of thy getting get understanding. As you study, put a hammerlock on those technical details you wrestle so hard to conquer. There is nothing in all the world so satisfying as a task well done. There is no reward so pleasing as that which comes with the mastery of a difficult problem. What a tremendous blessing it is to be able to study, to sit down with a book, to shut out the world around you, and to concentrate on the ideas that move before you as you read sentences and paragraphs and pages, the essence of which becomes a part of your ever-growing store of knowledge. Charles Kettering, the man who did so much to put together General Motors, once said, The opportunities of man are limited only by his imagination. But so few have imagination that there are 10,000 fiddlers to only one composer. A man who was driven by much pressure said to me the other day, If only I had the time to read a good book. Here you have the time. In fact, the discipline of your studies demands that you take the time to read one good book after another. There will not again be such an opportunity. And so, if I were you, what would I do? I'd drink of the nectar of knowledge, a grateful draft of its richest brew. If I were you, what would I do? I'd walk humbly with God, and my Savior too. Oh, the vainness, and the frailties, and the foolishness of men! When they are learned, they think they are wise, and they hearken not unto the counsel of God. For they set it aside, supposing they know of themselves. Wherefore, their wisdom is foolishness, and it profiteth them not, and they shall perish. But to be learned is good, if they hearken unto the counsels of God. So declared Jacob the son of Nephi long ago, and Alma, who had been stricken dumb by an angel because of his wicked arrogance, speaking out of that harsh lesson, said to his own son Helaman, O remember, my son, and learn wisdom in thy youth. Yea, learn in thy youth to keep the commandments of God. Counsel with the Lord in all thy doings and he will direct thee for good. Yea, when thou liest down at night, lie down unto the Lord, that he may watch over you in your sleep. And when thou risest in the morning, let thy heart be full of thanks unto God. He concluded by saying to Helaman, Look to God and live. The psalmist declared, It is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God. The Lord, through revelation in the year 1837, instructed the first of the apostles in this dispensation, giving them a great promise of significance to each of us, said he, Be thou humble and the Lord thy God shall lead thee by the hand and give the answer to thy prayers. It is your opportunity, yes, it is your responsibility while here to cultivate a spiritual dimension in your lives as you train your minds in secular matters. Every student in this great and unique university may come to know, in fact, He or she has the obligation to come to know, for himself or herself, that God, our eternal Father, lives and that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior and Redeemer of mankind. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And so, if I were you, what would I do? I'd walk humbly with God and my Savior, too. If I were you, what would I do? I'd fall in love with a girl named Sue (laughs) or a boy named Lou and plan for the day we'd be married, we two. (laughs) The names of Sue and Lou are not important, but the idea is. (laughs) As tens of thousands can testify, some of them now elderly men and women, this is a wonderful place to start the process that leads to eternal marriage. Mating is a process of selection. They are here to choose from—thousands of boys and thousands of girls. Keep yourselves clean from the stain of the world. Keep yourselves neat and attractive and trim. Keep yourselves worthy of the best to be had. You will find none better than those on this campus. Keep yourselves worthy of marriage in the house of the Lord. There is no adequate substitute for it. Let the stars of romance dance in your eyes and the fever of love touch your brain. But keep your feet on the ground and discipline your emotions with the knowledge that the God of heaven who loves you invites you to the greatest of blessings for time and all eternity but that he also exacts a price if they are to be yours. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Declared the psalmist, truly God is good, even to such as are of a clean heart. And so if I were you, what would I do? I'd fall in love with a girl named Sue or a boy named Lou and plan for the day we'd be married, we two. If I were you, what would I do? I'd live with my love with integrity true and welcome our children, many or few. We believe in chastity before marriage and in fidelity after marriage. Under the gospel plan, marriage is a companionship with equality between the partners. We walk side by side with respect, appreciation, and love one for another. There can be nothing of inferiority or superiority as between the husband and wife in the plan of the Lord. I am satisfied that our Father in heaven loves his daughters as much as he loves his sons, and any man who demeans or belittles his wife affronts her Father in heaven. If husbands and wives would only give greater emphasis to the virtues that are to be found in one another and less to the false, there would be fewer broken hearts, fewer tears, fewer divorces, and so much more of happiness in the homes of the people. Marriage is for companionship. And it is also for children. Much has been said on this campus about birth control. I like to think of the positive side of the equation, of the meaning and sanctity of life, of the purpose of this estate in our eternal journey, of the need for the experiences of mortal life under the great plan of God our Father of the joy that is to be found only where there are children in the home, of the blessings that come of good posterity. When I think of these values and see them taught and observed, then I am willing to leave the question of numbers to the man and the woman and the Lord. And So if I were you, what would I do? I'd live with my love with integrity, true, and welcome our children, many or few. If I were you, what would I do? If courtship and marriage didn't come through, I'd... <laughs> I'd fret, but I'd say, there's no time to stew, get busy, find something important to do. It would be a beautiful world if every girl had the privilege of marriage to a good young man whom she could look upon with pride and gladness as her companion in time and eternity, hers alone to love and cherish, to respect and help. What a wonderful world it would be if every young man were married to a wife in the house of the Lord, one at whose side he would stand as protector, provider, husband, and companion. But it doesn't work out that way in every case. There are some who, for reasons unexplainable, do not have the opportunity of marriage. To you, I should like to say a word or two. Don't waste your time and wear out your lives wandering about in the wasteland of self-pity. God has given you talents of one kind or another. God has given you the capacity to serve the needs of others and bless their lives with your kindness and concern. Reach out to someone in need. There are so very many out there. Add knowledge to knowledge. Refine your mind and skills in a chosen field of discipline. Never in the history of the world have women been afforded such opportunities in the professions, in business, in education, and in all of the honorable vocations of life. Do not feel that because you are single God has forsaken you. I repeat his promise quoted earlier, Be thou humble, and the Lord thy God shall lead thee by the hand and give thee answer to thy prayers. The world needs you. The Church needs you. So very many people and causes need your strength and wisdom and talents. The time you are spending in this university is a tremendous investment. It can be planned in such a way as to yield satisfying dividends in the future. And so if I were you, what would I do? If courtship and marriage didn't come through, I'd fret, but I'd say, There's no time to stew, get busy, find something important to do. Conclude this mixture of doggerel and scripture and counsel. If I were you, what should I do? By now I'd just say goodbye and adieu. (laughs) With a prayer in my heart for each one of you, I give give you my love as one of your brethren. I thank you as part of a great and marvelous generation. I testify of God, your Father, and mine, and of his only begotten Son, your Savior, and my Redeemer, and invoke upon you as a servant of the Lord every good and choice blessing in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.
0: You've been listening to the Classic Speeches Podcast, presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts, including recent speeches, updated weekly with new talks given on BYU campus, as well as other speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, by study and by faith. Come follow me, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer.